Welcome to an extremely somber and serious edition of Ghoul Talk. I'm Daniel, and with me, not this time, is Lindsay. As some of you may have heard, you freaks of Ghoul Talk, I don't know, do we have a name for our fan community? Ghoulies? I think I went with ghoulies once. As you ghoulies might know, uh, there is a program coming out. Uh, made for television, a visual medium, uh, based on the podcast lore. Uh, so to celebrate that coming out this October, we decided to uh, re-release this on an off week as a little bit of bonus content. Uh, you know, so pressure's low, doesn't have to be good. Because, uh, you know, you shouldn't have even expected to get... This is a this is a treat, you know? It's like... I don't know what it's like. But anyway, it's a bonus bit of content. Eh, some may say recycled content, but uh, certain people might not have heard it before. And uh, if this is your first time, just know that um, this is not what the show is usually like. That's usually more fun, but it's always this good. Um, So we decided to pay uh, homage to the style and trappings of uh, lore uh, by doing uh, an episode or two uh, in in the style of that. Uh, It's what you might call a parody. Uh, Funny thing is, I feel like it actually ended up being pretty good, even though uh, when we had the idea, it was we weren't being very serious at all. Uh, you know, it's hard as uh, people with backgrounds in history, you know, like actual historians, to sort of do uh, actual, you know, research, um, putting stuff together, and and uh, you know, not kind of get excited and end up doing a good thing. Uh, you can't write shitty code, you know. Anyway, uh, without further ado, because this is a very long intro, I bring you. Snore. On August 4th, 1577, an unimaginable series of incidents took place in Suffolk, England a rural town about 100 miles northeast of London. The 16th century was no easy time to be alive, and for the residents of Suffolk, one of the few reliable safe spaces they had was in their places of worship. Churches, you see, were not just for praying. They also served as gathering places in the community and holy places that offered people God's protection. They were also recognized as sanctuaries politically, and many criminals and undesirable people would take advantage of this protection in order to avoid arrest. 
But on that dog day of August 1577, amidst a fierce electrical storm, even this most basic refuge would be violated. In the aftermath, several people, including a young child, were dead. These violent acts shook the community to its core and left many who witnessed them as sick as a dog. I'm Darren Thankey, and this is Snore. They say that dogs are man's best friend. However, throughout human history, dogs have been the subject of intense human fear and fascination that suggests a more complicated relationship. In Latin America, for example, there are legends of dogs with fiery eyes that are said to be incarnations of the devil, or the familiars of witches and sorcerers. They go by different names, the Nahual and Huaychivo in Mexico, the Cadejo in Guatemala. You get the idea. The Luizon, or Lobizon, is another excellent example. Originally a monster from Guarani mythology, Luizon was the seventh child of Kerana, a beautiful human woman, and Tao, a Guarani spirit who personified evil and who had kidnapped Kerana after becoming enamored with her. As punishment for the kidnapping and rape of Kerana, it seems, all of Tao's children with her were cursed and born monsters, including Luizon. The most cursed of all, Luizan was associated with death, fed exclusively on dead and rotting flesh, and functioned as a harbinger of death in Guarani lore, much like a grim reaper, bringing a curse of death with him wherever he goes. The pre-Columbian Mayan natives of Guatemala and Central America believed that a dog was needed to help them cross a river in the afterlife. This belief, it seems, may have mixed with European tales to form the Cadejo of modern-day Guatemalan folklore. The Cadejo is a black dog with fiery eyes, shaggy unkempt fur, and the hooves of a goat. In this mythology, the dog's role as friend or foe is more unclear, as for every example that can be found of the Cadejo appearing to be a protector, there are stories of it claiming victims of its own. For example, there is a tale from the early 20th century about a man named Reginaldo, who lived in Ciudad Vieja and would regularly walk over three miles to Antigua to see his girlfriend, frequently making the trip late at night. Although the roads were dark and often very dangerous, Reginaldo never worried about being robbed or murdered, because a large, otherworldly black dog always accompanied him and protected him, one night even fighting off three attackers. But every dog, it seems, has its day, and when Reginaldo one day suddenly died, a neighbor in Ciudad Vieja remarked that surely the devil took him, because the townspeople all knew that this mysterious dog was the Cadejo, and that El Cadejo es el Diablo. Mm-hmm. 
Jumping across the pond to Europe, the earliest historical account of a spectral black dog was recorded in 856 in France. In this account, a group of worshippers were surprised by a sudden darkness in their church. As their eyes adjusted to their abruptly dimmed surroundings, the phantom materialized inside the church despite all the windows and doors being shut. In stunned silence, they watched as this demon dog stalked up and down the aisle of the church, as if looking for someone. But the specter, it seems, decided to let sleeping dogs lie, and vanished as suddenly as it had appeared without inflicting any physical harm to the congregants. Perhaps the highest per capita concentration of supernatural black dog legends and sightings comes to us from the British Isles, where such creatures have been reported in almost every English county, Wales, Scotland, and on the Isle of Man and the Channel Islands. For example, the famous Newgate Prison in London was said to be haunted for over 400 years by a spectral black dog that would appear before prisoner executions. This apparition began to appear in 1596 after a gruesome incident at the prison. A scholar of some sort, you see, was sent to Newgate for the crime of witchcraft, during a time where the prison was even more overcrowded than usual. The crowding, you see, created even worse conditions than you might expect, and contributed to a situation of compounding problems. There were so many prisoners awaiting trial that the backlog kept getting worse and worse, while more prisoners were being added to the population. As you can imagine, feeding these accused criminals was hardly a priority at the best of times. And during the overcrowding, the scant amount of food allocated for the population was stretched so thin that many prisoners were starving. So, while the scholar, newly imprisoned from a sedentary life of study, awaited his trial for witchcraft, he was killed and eaten by the desperate, starving masses. It is, it seems, a dog-eat-dog world. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle even resurrected his beloved Sherlock Holmes character to investigate the phenomenon of ghost dogs. His third Sherlock Holmes novel, The Hound of the Baskervilles, was originally released between 1901 and April 1902. Often regarded as one of the best Holmes novels, the tale was set in England's southwest, largely on the Dartmoor, and tells the story of a family who, due to a curse, is being haunted and killed by the titular giant spectral hound. Of course, in this case, Holmes reveals that the dog in question was quite mortal and had been scaring its victims to death with the aid of a ghastly phosphorus glow applied by a criminal seeking to cash in on the death of some long-lost family members. Well, dog my cats. Doyle was, of course, familiar with the legendary black ghost dogs of the British Isles to some degree and perhaps the most famous of all of these is Black Shuck. The name Shuck may derive from the Old English word skukka, meaning demon, or possibly from shucky, a word from the local East Anglian vernacular meaning shaggy or hairy in reference to the beast's unkempt appearance. For hundreds of years, this creature, or creatures, has roamed through towns in the east of England. According to folklore, Black Shuck haunts the coast graveyards, roads, forests, and bodies of water in East Anglia. Some tales warn us that to see Black Shuck is a warning of some impending doom to the viewer, either their own death or the death of a cherished one. 
Still, other tales are more similar to the Cadejo, with Black Shuck as a more benign companion to lonesome travelers. W.A. Dutt, in his 1901 Highways and Byways in East Anglia, describes the spectral beast thusly. Quote, He takes the form of a huge black dog and prowls along dark lanes and lonesome field footpaths where, although his howling makes the hearer's blood run cold, his footfalls make no sound. You may know him at once, should you see him, by his fiery eye. He has but one, and that, like the cyclopses, is in the middle of his head. But such an encounter might bring you the worst of luck. It is even said that to meet him is to be warned that your death will occur before the end of the year. So you will do well to shut your eyes if you hear him howling. Shut them even if you are uncertain whether it is the dog fiend or the voice of the wind you hear. Should you never set eyes on our Norfolk Snarlyow, you may perhaps doubt his existence, and, like other learned folks, tell us that his story is nothing but the old Scandinavian myth of the Black Hound of Odin, brought to us by the Vikings who long ago settled down on the Norfolk coast. There are also contemporary written accounts of Black Shuck from as early as the 12th century. The Peterborough Chronicle, a local version of the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, which is a collection of old English writings that chronicle the history of the Anglo-Saxons of Great Britain, recorded the appearance of a hunting party of 20-30 spectral huntsmen riding through the deer park of Peterborough, with hounds who were, quote, jet black with eyes like saucers and horrible, end quote, at Peterborough Abbey, circa 1127. But perhaps the most famous sighting of Black Shuck occurred on that fateful night of August 4th, 1577, at two churches in Suffolk. Black Shuck, you see, had just as much bark as bite. In Blytheburg, a large congregation gathered in Holy Trinity Church while thunder and lightning raged outside. As a clap of thunder shook the church, the doors flew open and Black Shuck burst through them. As he ran up the nave of the church in a frenzied rage, he killed a man and a boy and brought the steeple of the church crashing down through the roof. And then, just like that, he left, leaving scorch marks on the north door that can be seen at the church to this day. The beast continued on and paid a similar visit to St. Mary's Church in Bungay. As recorded by the Reverend Abraham Fleming, quote, This black dog, or the devil in such a likeness, God he knoweth all who worketh all, running along down the body of the church with great swiftness and incredible haste among the people, in a visible form and shape, passed between two persons as they were kneeling upon their knees and occupied in prayer, as it seemed, wrung the necks of them both at one instant clean backward, in such that even at a moment when they were kneeled, they strangely died. This account was published locally along with an illustration of the beast which showed a shaggy, black dog with clawed feet and what appeared to be horns jutting out of his head. But maybe there's another explanation for all of this. Maybe the damage to Blytheburg Church was caused by the violent thunder and lightning outside, and the parishioners who died were either killed by falling debris or, perhaps, even by fear of the storm. And maybe the tale was repeated and made common through the British Isles by the same kind of mass hysteria that led to witch trials in 17th century New England. Yes, as frightening as all this sounds, a skeptic in today's world can fairly easily explain away the phenomenon. Right? <laughs> 
Leiston Abbey in Suffolk has been the site of a crowdfunded archaeological investigation since 2013. The 12th century church itself is mostly ruins and is part of a larger group of buildings that is managed as a heritage site by English Heritage and partially used as a music school. While digging in 2014 to try to identify early settlement evidence, a volunteer excavator discovered the skeletal remains of a giant canine who measured in at over seven feet long. Based on pottery shards found in the same stratigraphic layer, the dog is thought to have been buried there in the 1500s. All down the church in the midst of fire, the hellish monster flew, and passing onward to the choir, he many people slew. This episode of Snore was written, scored, and produced by me, Darren Thankey. Additional music credit. Artist, The Darkness. Song, Black Shuck. Find this song on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, or wherever you buy music. Nothing. <laughs>